All right, guys, what is up? Welcome to Jammers in the Rough. I am super excited to bring you season three. Cody is back. We got a great season for you. A lot of things are going on with this golf, um, a lot of drama, a lot of heated conversations, but more importantly, a lot of amazing plastic is coming out, and we're definitely here to talk about all of that. So as always, we have our lovely co-host, Cody, the absolute worst Waldron. We have Josh, the carny from hell, Winter, and always, you get a plethora of page, so we're super <laughs> excited, but first of all, Cody... What have you been up to this summer? Uh, I got three little kids and a wife, so a lot of home time. But actually, we've been – I went to Texas for two weeks. We drove across the country, so 55 hours in a car uh, with my family, and then went to Virginia Beach – or, well, Cape Charles, Virginia. So played some disc golf everywhere I went, met a couple uh, people I've known online that I've never met in person, so that was pretty cool. Um Played some disc golf, do some stuff around the house. I go back to work in a week. So, I know. Yeah. Who works well, here? What's the worst? Since we're kind of new on a like bigger page, do you want to talk a little bit about what you kind of bring to the table? Maybe shout out your sponsor, whatnot. And well, who are you um, to be doing a podcast? People don't know you. I don't know. I don't, I don't know why you guys asked me to do this. I have no clue. <laughs> um, your mistake. We needed a mule to kick. That's the big That's reason. That's true. Someone's got to be a scapegoat. But I've been <laughs> playing disc golf for like two years. Uh, I guess I'm one of those COVID guys. I picked it up like 10 years ago through like some DX plastic like for a year and then I didn't do anything. Um, I play usually once or twice a week. I am sponsored by Terminal Velocity. So that was one of the guys I met in Texas, Zach Wendell, the owner. So I'm trying to find that awesome disc. I got my Ursus. Oh, here it is. Boom. Overstable mid. So if you don't have one of those, check it out. Um, my finger. I'm also a what? <laughs> I'm trying to like figure out how to like mirror myself and point to the Ursus. I got to look he like I'm flexing. Got it. He can't figure things out. So, um, but I'm a PE teacher. I like to teach disc golf to my class and uh, try and grow the game as much as I can. All right. Well, thank you for that, Cody. As always, it's the absolute worst answer you can imagine. Super dry, <laughs> boring. If you guys are still sticking around, that's because you're loyal fans. And you get yeah, to man. be rewarded for that and hear what Josh has been up to this summer. Let's see. What is Yo, what up, guys? What up? What up, chat? Um, so I haven't been up too much. Just been playing some disc golf. I took a little bit of a mental break. And right when I got back to it, I wrecked a, my niece's electric scooter and slammed my knee into the ground. I was out for a minute. Um, but yeah, you know, I, uh, for those that don't know me, I'm Josh. I, one of the admins on the bin page that we just opened up to all manufacturers, which is super cool because now gives me places to talk about my sponsor, Thought Space Athletics. Got some new discs coming out pretty soon. Um, yeah, I'm just getting, getting, trying to figure out what tournaments I'm going to hit up. Um, trying to play more disc golf. That's about it. And watching disc golf, the shit show that it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was. Oh, uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> the fact that you hurt your hurt yourself on electric scooter. Typical carny move, huh? That's probably going from carnival to carnival. That's right. I'm a carny. Standing the fries. 
So that's, I mean, the two big reasons we kind of took the summer off was Cody's big road trip all the way across the States. And Josh disappears for six weeks to be a carny. It's kind of weird. So he does like this whole carny trail in Oregon capped off with like the in the woods, no service for like two weeks. So he says it's a carny. I think it's an orgy, but who really knows? No one knows about that world. (laughs) What happens in the woods stays in the woods. Exactly. Right. That's why there's no service. Yeah. (laughs) So, <laughs> well, I've been, I mean, I'm probably the one that hasn't really changed. I'm still out grinding every day, playing disc golf tournaments every weekend. I think the big takeaways this summer is a lot of frustration with some of my growth, not being necessarily as I envisioned it, but also three holes away from winning my first MPO tournament only to choke on the easiest hole or second easiest hole of the course and fall apart. So it's one of those things. Like I remember in rodeo, you never, like they always say like, don't ever cast your check before your horse crosses the barrel. And there's like one time where our horse was like about to cross. We're in first place and we're like $10,000 checks come in. And then the horse stumbles and the other horse overtook us. And it was like, Oh, there's our $10,000 gone. And so that's what I felt like that happened to the MPO where it's just like, okay, I did everything I needed to do to win. And I relaxed, and that was definitely frustrating. But kind of being on that cusp of winning my first MPO tournament was a huge step forward. Um, But also, I'm just doing this kind of dance of, like, my new baseline is a little bit higher. Like, I'm throwing, like, probably 950 golf on average. Um, But my ceiling's a lot higher. But putting those rounds in together and figuring out what two consistent rounds look like are a little bit frustrating, especially when my game kind of fluctuates, like putting – I'll be de- like 100% from 25 on in, or I'd be 100% from like 25 to 40. I haven't been able to put them both together, which is really frustrating because there's times where I'm just like, I had the best putting uh, experience of my life and couldn't get off the tee and just stuff like that. So it's like a weird, like, I feel like I'm on the cusp of a breakthrough and I'm hoping, you know, to have that where like last week and I didn't have that breakthrough. It was more of, like I said, that new base. I threw like average like 960 or something over three rounds, but I had the time of my life. I didn't lose my cool through some fun golf. Um, Got to be social. So it's kind of figuring out this new, like, where do I exist and how do I want to kind of take that next step forward where we talk about like, you know, how we, you know, what we can offer and how we kind of contribute. And so for me, I'm like on the MA1 MPO cusp. So trying to navigate that best I can with that. I got a huge shout out. I have three sponsors, so it's kind of, you know, a little bit more than these guys. It's because I'm a little bit better. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's my Johnny Bravo poses. <laughs> um, my sponsors are Birdie Disc Golf. They are doing amazing things. So we're going to do a giveaway. This is where you can write in chat. So the first person to respond will get this Marvel. It's the Stiff Blend. A little bit special. You have like this white halo on the inside. Um, am flag because I know you guys are all super patriotic and you love America and you know I figured I don't so I'll get it to you um, <laughs> so with that if you guys can tell me who the owners of Birdie Disc Golf are and the co-founders of it so Birdie Badger Disc Golf as you can see on the bottom if you can tell me the two names in the chat you'll get yourself a marble so first one to do that great Josh will keep eye mm-hmm. on that my other sponsors are, like Cody said, Terminal Velocity, Zach Wendell. He's doing amazing things. He's put out um, his Ursus in three different plastics. So he has his Glow, 
He has his kind of premium sea line base, which is kind of like that Italianish blend. And then he has the baseline granite Ursus, which the other two are overstable. Glidey Justices think that. Um, but that granite Ursus, the baseline, think about KC Rock, or not KC Rock, but the Rock 3s, like the KC Rock 3s, but plus 30, 40, 50 feet with a ton of glide, and it seasons just the same. So Terminal Velocity, doing amazing things. And one of my favorite sponsors is Grow It. Um, this is something like with Josh that I've done a lot with, talking about growing the game. We're looking at kind of partnering for a tournament next year. What does that look like? How does it – he helped me out. This year I did a clinic with so a suicide prevention camp with some Native youth. And so all three of my sponsors kind of stepped up in a big way for that to make it as affordable as possible. So – those are my three sponsors. I absolutely love them and will continue to keep representing them as long as they'll have me. But with that, let's move to our first question. Josh, what do you have for us? Um, well, before we do that, before we do that, I I want to bring up, because you talked about how you choked at your MPO. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's go deep in how Paige choked. Let's do it. Like it. <laughs> you were close to taking that, that W on the MPO, which is that's super awesome. You got so close. But it, it made me think about... Um, and I'm, I might say his name wrong. Uh, his last name is from what uh, Hillsborough, Oregon. Was it Cole Redolin? Redolin. Mm -hmm. Did you see uh, his score today? Yeah, I think I, uh, everyone <laughs> saw it. If you didn't, <laughs> the, <laughs> you want to you want to give it a shout out? What okay, was it so it's what? it was what eight eight birdies. I think it was eight birdies. Eight birdies. Uh, yeah, eight birdies. The rest pars except for one hole. They <laughs> took a thirteen on. And I'm so curious on what happened. I think it's a, wasn't a water hole. It was a water hole, kid. and there was a lot of out of bounds thrown. But the fact that that he was, you know, all birdies par, hit that hole, got a 13, and then continued on to get three more birdies and two pars. Yeah, like, I thought that was crazy because he was that was eight strokes, and he with eight birdies it finished even. He took eight strokes yeah. on one hole. And still battled back. That is definitely a mental fortitude. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So what I was always gonna say is you should call him, figure out what he does to get back into it. Uh, might help you out to get that W and MP. No, I mean I did that last weekend. I was throwing a really good round. I think I was like four or five down, and then I took a double, and then I battled back and finished still like four or five down. I think it's just one of those things like I almost like anticipate when they're happening because when everything's going good, you're just like Give me this little bit of wake up, not 13 stroke or eight stroke wake up, but sometimes it's kind of be like, well, this can either define my round or I can battle back. That's always my battle. I think my mental thing was like, you get to that finish line and you're like, okay, it's all downhill from here, just coast. And you take that edge off, you take that focus off because, you know, you get into that coast mentality versus like that cutthroat, which is like, let me turn it back on. Mm -hmm. Um, which is my big mistake, but like Cole, like I think he probably anticipated that there's still three more rounds of disc golf left, and there's three and a half rounds at that point. Either he can continue to fall off or he can continue to battle back, because I still think even was like 10-17 rated. I think Stokely finished even, and he was 10-17 rated, so I mean, I mean rating-wise, Paul, Paul, Paul finished like what, negative one, negative two? Yeah. There was like that lead card. I was disappointed. I'm not. I don't want to spoil it for everybody, but the lead and chase card. I was extremely disappointed, like with their performance. With like you would normally expect, these are the people that are going to step up and go into the clubhouse top ten, top five normally. And not to see that was kind of like, 
you know, a little shooken up. So I don't know what's going on with Ledgestone, but also there's a lot of putting woes. I saw a lot of like page misses where it's like 15 foot birdie and boom off the cage. <laughs> and I was like, Hey, that's yeah. what I do. The pros are doing it. I do it. We're the same <laughs> equally as bad. <laughs> equally as bad. Don't try to make yourself feel better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I had to say, it cause that was, it was really cool to like look at that score and see him have a really, really crummy hole, like probably mentally too. And then just bounce back as well as he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you cannot spoil live sports. Not possible. <laughs> I'm a firm believer in it. That's a firm believer. And you're right. You can't technically spoil it, but you can also do your best to preserve it so people can still enjoy it on their leisure. Which is why usually jammers in the rough have a one-week grace period for talking about live sports. <laughs> it just happened to be a weird day-to-day, which is why we're dropping it. Um, but that's usually jammers in the rough. We usually delay a week. So this week our plan was actually to talk about Alden Harris and his win. So... Yeah. What do you guys think about that? Uh, I think it's a well-deserved win. I think he it's been coming, and he his putting was on point. That's what got him that W. His putts from out of the circle, uh, his confidence, it let him go all the way through to the to the end and take that number one spot. I think he deserves it. He's one of those those younger cats that was waiting for his move. Like him and Gannon, they're gonna do some things. Yeah. Well, I think, too, like the big takeaway with Gannon even, sorry, I know we're talking about Elden, but Gannon, if you watched him, his pace picked up a lot. You want to talk about like making like real time, like effort to improve, like a lot of feedback, negative feedback for him last week was taking a lot of time due to stress, due to pressure, due to his putts, you know, but it seems like he's really kind of held that on in this, at least day one over there, he sped up his putting a lot, which is, you know, pretty cool because you see a lot of pros that refuse to adjust what they're doing in order to accommodate the, the rules. And there's some pros that are just like, I dare you to say something. But Gannon, at 17-year-old, is showing that maturity and willingness to adjust, which I think is, you know, healthy. Do you think he's more willing to adjust being younger? I mean, I think so. I think, I mean, but also, like, I think he's at this crossroads of, like, who is he trying to be? You know, does he want to, like, lean into it and start to be compared with Nico? Or just want to steer away from it and start to be compared to some of these other pros um, and not have that negative stigma attached to him. And I think that's a very real choice that he has to make at 17, which is, you know, super weird, a lot of pressure, but people are wanting to see him like win and be successful. And he's doing it like the first full year on tour. Yeah. I'm stepping on that bag was pretty cool too. <laughs> I thought that was pretty awesome. Like that was a, some fan service for the crowd. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> But yeah, no, for me, not so much Alden Harris winning. It's for me, like what I, my big takeaway, because Alden Harris, like in Jonesboro was close. He had a breakthrough um, PDX open. I think a lot of people are watching him, wanting him to follow up Jonesboro with like, you know, a top 10 finish. And I think he did his best, but for me, it shows the importance and the necessity of like the silver series as being like a part of the pro tour. You know, because it's not just for like an Alden Harris or Corey Ellis or people to like break through and show that they belong there outside of like the top tier, top elite, like in the disc golf. But it's also a good way for like some of these like aging stars um, to kind of have the breakthroughs and get like their top five, top 10 finishes. You know, like I think a Jeremy Calling, I think, you know, Yulabari, I think, you know, some of these like, you know, used to be successful 
top 10 players still having that chance and these future top 10 players to have the chance to get that W. I think about Adam Hammes last year when he won De La Viega, uh, the Masters Cup, and then he just went on to go on a huge tear for that year. Like, I think these Silver Series, for me, is such a good way to showcase this next generation and past generation of this ball, which, I mean, I don't think we really see anywhere. And so, for me, I, I got excited about this kind of that because it's like, oh, yeah, I've been wanting Alden Harris to, like, break through, and then he finally got that, got that W. I'm always a fan of the underdog. So it's nice when you see names that are not – don't get me wrong. I like Ricky Wysocki and, you know, Macbeth and Eagle doing well, but it's kind of nice when you see someone who's a little bit, um, you know, not one of those top – considered top athletes that kind of pull through. So that that's what I like and kind of gives people – like you said, these silver series, like you hear a lot of people knocking on them. Some of the other – like if you ever listen to podcasts, will say like, why do we have silver series and stuff like that? But I think it's a good way to – get other people's names out there and give other people a chance to win and kind of show what they can do. Cause sometimes those smaller events play better or the locals play better or people that might not be those top five in the world. But well, I think cool. it's a necessary part of touring as well. So like people, if you don't know, I come from a rodeo background. I talk about it a lot, but with that, I toured rodeo and a lot of times it was making money to go to the next rodeo to get to the next rodeo and the moment you break that like up a little bit then you're like how am i going to get home <laughs> yeah and i feel like that's very reminiscent of being on tour with disc golf to where it's like yeah the top 20 level pros like paul Macbeth doesn't need to do silver series he doesn't need to do these beer tiers like eagle mcmahon has the money to fly out on a whim and go win the european open um but like in Alden Harris doesn't necessarily do that. So a lot of times you think about these up and coming touring pros, their sponsors aren't fully paying. Like even like some of the big one names, like Chris Dickerson left Prodigy. Dickerson. Yeah, Dickerson, Dickerson like, he can do year. the full tour. Matty O, same thing. He can do the full tour. So like these sponsors aren't paying them to do the full tour. So these silver series where there's a little bit more money, these A tiers, these B tiers, having more money to make it like, you know, $1,000 added might not be a much, but when you're going from, you know, Kentucky to Kansas or something, that $1,000 is gas money, it's food, it gets you from point A to point B so that you can do the pro tour, hope to have a bigger payday so that you can drive across the country and do the next leg of the tour, um, which I think is like when you start to see like the West Coast where a lot of those like traveling pros jump off because they can't go from like middle America to the West Coast and then do the eight, like 12 hour drive, the, you know, the big, west coast push because they just can't afford it and they don't have as many like the silver series and a tiers to really pay for it so for me i'm always an advocate of being able to allow people to accurately tour and it's more disc golf to watch absolutely yep and that's never get for never get tired of disc golf that's for dang sure oh god chat is chat is funny chat is funny blow it up let's see it so we got, yeah, but Alden has Jesus. <laughs> Solid. Is that a good thing or like? Are they saying that's a good thing or bad thing? I'm I'm pretty sure it's, that's positive in this person's eyes. I'm down with it. We got Alden balling out the goat hill and that tornado true, weather. Very yeah. very cool. Um, yeah, like there's a you know, chat. You cracked me up. You cracked me up. <laughs> but no, and I think that's great, and I think. 
hopefully he kind of rides that momentum and keeps stepping forward because we're definitely going to – I definitely want to see that. Yeah. I think this, this year, disc golf, like it's showing like at any given time it can shake up and you can see two or three names you might have forgotten or, you know, three or four names that are breaking through. You know, like I'm a huge Kyle Klein fan and I expected to see a lot more to, more than – or more of him – on that top five, top 10, that coverage. And I think everybody else kind of expected that after some of his breakout last year. And so it's like, it's just showing how deep that field really is. I say, where is he at? I haven't like heard anything from him. He's been putting in like, I think consistent, like, you know, top 20 performances, but there's a few, I think like a couple top 10 finishes, but it's, well, it also shows, like you said, got rid of the disparity in disc golf where it's not just the same name over and over and over again. It's a deep field where, you have to be on top of your game because even like Paul's been finishing low tens. Low, I mean, he's been below ten, I think, a couple times, right? Yeah, he's doing the kind of like puts in two solid rounds and then a mediocre round, or if it's like you know four rounds, then like three and one stuff like that. He's kind of doing like the like let me dig myself a hole and then battle back. Uh, That's all, uh, what was it like Eagle Worlds last year where he was like bad round and then battle all the way back to eight or eighth? Yeah, and so I, I kind of want Brody to beat him one time just so he can like rub in his face. Oh, except for, except for I think this year has been kind of weird. Like, we've had what four repeat double winners of Pro Tours so Simon's won two, Heinberg's won two, Ricky's won two, and Dickerson's won two, which I think is. Like still, like when you talk about like we have this shakeup, then you see like also like these four names that have been around for a long time, still being able to kind of showcase and display a whole different level of disc golf, um, continuously because they're also like not bowing out too much out of that top ten as well. It's just yeah, you know, it's just like what do you got to do to be that level of like competitive? <laughs> well, with that said, with that said competitiveness can get the best of us i know like everyone's heard about it and talked about it but i want to get your guys' take on uh nico's suspension do you feel it's justified you feel are we like... talking about just the suspension or the whole ordeal <laughs> i mean let's go with just i don't know if we have enough time i mean let's go with just the suspension because... so we're gonna we're gonna assume because if you're tuning in to our high quality podcast that probably means you tune into what else is going on in the disc golf world so we're not going to rehash too much about what's going on with Nico because we're going to assume you do. To save time, we're going to jump into the opinions on the suspension. Um, I can start. Go I it. think it's a little soft, personally. I think that nine-month suspension, you have, what, four months minimum of that's going to be served on what are notoriously is an off-season. And then you have part of the pro tour that people choose to like miss. Like Las Vegas, like challenge, not everybody shows up to LVC, you know? And so like, he's not really, I feel like in the whole Texas swing. So he's kind of missing the Texas swing and I know he does good down there and he, he doesn't really miss much, but it's like, okay, he's not really going to be, he's going to be serving like a really like four month suspension of tournaments, which is still a lot, especially when that's your main livelihood. But when you look at like compared to like some of these other suspensions that have happened, it's not a year. It's underneath a year, which I think is like one of the first like big suspensions that have been actually under like a full year. And I got super excited about actually the 15 months because I think that's more important to me than the actual suspension. 
because that probation period is going to have eyes on him and it's going to see if his apology was genuine it's going to see if he's serious about change and updating his behavior if he's actually going to be like willing to buy in and you know reintroduce himself to the disc golf world in a positive light which i mean i think a lot of people himself included has said they want to see gateway discs are standing by him which is great because family always supports family kind of thing but you know what is he going to do to finally like you know, pay off his sponsors and like thank them for that the risk for standing by him. So for me, just in a nutshell, I think it's a little too short, but I think that probation period being a little bit longer, I'm happy with because it actually allows for some change to take place. Yeah, see, I I feel like uh, the punishment is too much. It's too much. I don't I don't feel like he should have been suspended for that many months and then go on probation for a first time offender like. Like Paul's take on it, uh, I think I, I I agree with it, and a lot of people are going to disagree with me for sure. <laughs> but yeah, because I, I get tired uh, of that that first time offender because he's not. There's a whole compilation video of him intimidating people or trying to intimidate but people. Not, but he did not get in trouble for it. You weren't. Yeah. You got nothing for it, so it's a first time <laughs> offender. You can I I can speed first everywhere around the offender. city. Have you not been paying attention the last eight years of this man's career? But he hasn't gotten in trouble for it. Like he hasn't been docked or, or yeah, like so you're saying throw out action. all of that that history and only look at this isolated experience, which yeah. yeah. I still think with this isolated experience, you gotta set a precedent because this is the first year we're having officials actually follow, actually calling out rule violations, actually, you know, being encouraged to do these things outside of players. And for me, if this is that first year for that, yes, it's his first offense. But we don't want other people to get that tennis mentality, that basketball mentality where they're arguing every call, getting in the face. Like we want to separate that quick and taking like the most volatile person, using him as a precedent, I think is going to set that good trend, um, especially when you have like what what happened. Oh, I, I guess I don't want to spoil today, but you have like a questionable call. Paul Macbeth is right there with the TD. The TD gets on the call, you know, calls the rule guy. They do it like that was a whole smooth as as it should be, you know. You want this to be easy, cordial, and you know able to progress like forward because that like yes it was hole eighteen, but what if this happened on hole thirteen? Then your whole card is in the sorts. Your whole card's out of whack. You have this player that's probably this left, and now you're a three card, you know. And it becomes like this whole awkward situation that could have easily been avoided with them being able to take criticism for something they know they do. Yeah, but I I also I'm very curious because he is notorious for taking a long time to do his shots. Like, are they are they do they have a stopwatch out for every single player, or was it like just for him? Because that's the weird part is that I don't feel like it was a fair call either, unless they're actually timing every single person. Well, the I whole thing like, is he got a warning. That was in his first warning. He got a warning earlier that round. It was like whole About, seven or something, whole eight. Yeah, whole seven. So he had a whole, he had a warning earlier, and then they're following that card around mm -hmm. still, and then he chooses not to do that. And I think the, the official yeah. probably could have called it earlier and waited to hole eighteen, so that it's not going to impede too much. But he, like Nico can be aware that he needs to make the adjustment moving forward. You know, I'm just like I think there's a whole issue with like the rule enforcement that needs to be addressed. But with that being addressed and we're looking at this in a vacuum, like I think it's entirely like justified. Yeah, he so also he's at home, Josh is trying to tell you it's not illegal if you don't get caught. 
first time offense. But and also, like fun. we were just talking about Gannon earlier, he made an adjustment in a week. He listened to criticism from an entire fan base, both like positive and negative. Took that at 17 years old and showed the maturity to make that adjustment. And here's somebody that's 33, 34 years old has heard it his entire career and has refused to make an adjustment. And so then at this given time, you know, like he decided to like blow over and, you know, expected to get away with it. Like he's done. Yeah, he tried to intimidate. Career. I don't like that. Yeah, this is, this is a good point. It wasn't just 30 seconds. Then your overtime, it was longer than that. That's true. It just seems, I mean, and also Nico's a professional. And if you're going to be a professional, you should act like a professional and getting in someone's face and telling them to back up from your face is a little outrageous. Him following the the guy staring him down afterwards, asking him why are you staring me down? Like, there's just a lot of anger behind it. I don't feel like the punishment fits the crime, though. I feel yeah. like I, I just don't. The fact there's nine months suspension plus probation for like what fifteen months that we said. Yeah, I think I think they're trying to make an example out of him, and it just sucks to see. Yeah, but I think they should. And I think Paul's doing the right thing as well. Like, Paul is staying within it, what's true to his character. He's always been critical of the PDGA. He's, he's always challenged like the PD. What? He's never liked the PDGA. Yeah, he's, he's never liked it. He's always been critical of them. He's always challenged them to, like, know, like, be on their crap, know their shit, and then be able to create rules that are actually enforceable. So, with him being critical, like, you take Nico out of it. I think Paul is being very critical of the PDGA, like he should be, because here is a top 10 player in the world, almost ever, right? I think he's like top 10 in like ever, and he's got suspended. Like you should be critical of that, because what's going to stop the PDGA from suspending Gannon Burr if he has an outburst, you know, stopping, you know, whoever, whoever for having that the, the same like similar outburst so it's like be critical of the pdga but be critical for the right reasons like subtract nico from this equation and i think josh was onto the right question were they only following this card why were they following this card was it to bait nico was it to target nico if that's the case then nico was wrong and pga is in the wrong but if they're doing it for every single card and they're doing a check-in then you know like Nico's not necessarily wrong, but make sure that they're being consistent, making sure that they're able to be like set a standard, you know, and be able to stand by their decisions of why. Like my big thing with like Elaine King was because she couldn't stand by the reason of why and she fell apart with her justification. And that to me isn't consistent. Be consistent. And that's the whole idea behind rules. If you're going to give somebody the benefit of the doubt, then you have to give everyone benefit of the doubt. If you have a card of four and Paul Macbeth got this call, then me as this 940, nine, like 944 rated player needs to get the same call as Paul Macbeth. That needs to be transparent. That needs to be consistent and enforceable. And if it's not, and you're leaving it up to wh whoever, then that becomes an issue with the PDGA and you need to reevaluate your rules. Like the Mando. The Mando rule, I think, is stupid because you saw, like today, there was a Mando and there was a bush line all the way alongside of it. You see... Uh, individual's disc hit the bush line, so missed the Mando, it rolled back in. The way the rule is written is that should be a missed Mando. But, like, that wasn't called that way, that wasn't enforced that way, and because it wasn't enforced that way, then here's a rule that some people are being punished for, and some people are taking advantage of and not getting stroked for. 
And that for me is like the issues that I follow with its inconsistencies of being like, you know, like it's not an enforceable rule. And if it's not enforceable, then why do, what is it like really trying to accomplish? I think until until they get a either a marshal or an official on each card, it's going to be tough because do you really want to police yourself? Like disc golf is one of the only sports where you're policing yourself. Baseball, umpires, basketball, um, hockey, football. Everyone has a referee because if you're on a card and you car- start calling people out, there might be retaliation. It might make the card awkward. You have to play how many more rounds of this person, and it might make uh, it might throw off your game. It, this is very mental. So if you are worrying about making all these mistakes because you think someone's gonna hey call you out on something that you don't deserve, could be an issue. So I'm kind of glad they did it. Uh, it kind of sucked that he did it in Europe in like one of the biggest. Um, Biggest crowds ever, I think. Was it? I think it was like three times bigger than any other crowd at the European Open. So, thanks for making America look sucky. <laughs> but sometimes I don't want to say you had to make an example, but you have to set the precedent. If you are going to act like this, it's not tolerated. And no, thank you. So, even if that's his only offense, the fact that he did that and he could get away with it. And, I, and I'm always thinking, would I want my kids to act like that? Would I want my kids to look at that person as a role model? And I don't. If if my kid did that, I would probably do the same thing. Like, yeah, dude, you're not playing disc golf for a long time. Like, yeah. if you're going to act like that, no thank you. He, like, tried to intimidate and act like, I'm a professional disc golfer. I can do what I want. No, you can't. So, well, especially yeah, maybe like- the PDGA went I, – I think nine months, he actually got off – they said it could have been up to two years. So, he. I think he got off a little bit easier than they could have done. So, it'd be nice if – I don't mind a long probation because he can still play. Hey, you can play. You say you want to change. Show us. Yeah. You can tell us all you want. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Here, here. You have 15 months. Prove it. Well, I think, too, like the big thing that I think a lot of people forget is that this is a major. This wasn't just like the Pro Tour. This wasn't an A tier, Silver Series, or B tier. This was a major. This is supposed to be like the elite, the cream of the crop rising to the top. This is supposed to be when everybody is throwing their best disc golf and showing like the best versions of themselves. And, you know, in this moment, in this like lapse of judgment, he chose to like show the worst version of himself that people meme, people troll, but also people forget, like he refused to cooperate with the investigation. So like, here he is, like, doesn't want to talk to anybody afterwards. He pretty much did a like forced apology, you know, after that, He's not like cooperating. And so it's like, okay, then you're not really showing like true remorse. You're not being accountable. You're trying to like just like ignore it and hope it goes away like everything else. And then that for me is like, okay, like if you're not going to be accountable, you're not going to take that responsibility for your actions, then here we are. You're going to allow us to make that hammer and put that hammer down. And like I said, I think nine months is still less than a lot of people. Who was the pro last year that got into like a little altercation with a different card and he got suspended for a full year. And it was just kind of more of like a verbal back and forth. And it wasn't even like anything more than that, but it was just a different card. Hmm. Um, I don't remember. That's going to bug me. If anyone has that, Cody has a free disc for you. That name. If you wait, if you know the name, I'll give you that. I'll, I'll hand boom. Glow calcite Ursus. Oh, 
Who knows who started a fight last year? I got the sticker, not the stamp. But, I mean, we can follow back up on that. But anyways, like, so for me, it just becomes, like, there's a lot to be critical of, but I don't think anyone is, like, truly as innocent as they're trying to portray. And, you know, there's definitely a guilty party within all of this. And so we're just kind of looking at, like I said, like, we look at this in a vacuum. Bradley Williams, thank you, from a few years ago. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. That's from you a few years ago. Perfect. But, yeah, Bradley Williams did it. So Cody got you a disc, by the way. Thank you for that. But, yeah, like, and it was just, like, an altercation of, like, you know, he said, she said kind of thing. One person was going off to tea. He kind of worked behind him, said something. And it was just, like, taken out of context or taken, like, aggressive way. But he got, like, a full year, like, full year suspension for that. And if that was, like, a precedent that was set a couple years ago, this is obviously a lot worse than that, and it's only nine months. Um, I know what people are wanting to talk about, which is the drama between Brody and Paul, which is definitely <laughs> stemmed from this. <laughs> I want to, I'm I'm so curious to hear your take on it. I'm really curious about it. I mean, I it's it's a hard like read because there's this whole like foundation like disc golf that they went into business for with each other about a year and a half ago. The whole rumor mill was Paul left because there was a conflict of interest with him being on Discraft and funneling Discraft discs and selling Discraft discs. And so the 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 story was like Paul left in order to kind of like do that but with this kind of beef brody admitting that he blocked paul um silence on the card that they were squared up together where they didn't say one word to each other like you're starting to see there's a lot more drama behind the scenes between brody and paul and it's all speculative at this point so like there's no point in diving into that but which is really like the interesting part is you have Discraft, where you have these two teammates, one being the GOAT, one being coming kind of upcoming, still like selling a lot of discs, but has a history with Discraft because of Ultimate. And now this manufacturer is being like creating this like tour tear. And what you see is also mm-hmm. Paul being really buddy buddy with Chris Dickerson, who's also probably the, now the second person on your roster. Um, definitely skill wise, like, or I guess Paige Pierce is probably above him, but. Right there, male-wise, is Chris Dickerson. You see Paul being buddy-buddy with him. Paul having a robot chicken shirt, disc, you know, fully supporting him. So it's like, oh, yeah, like, you have that, and you have this new age, which is Brody and Ezra doing their bromance. It's just, like, a weird dynamic. Like, I don't know. (laughs) What's what's Brody rated right now? Uh, 1020-something, I believe. I'll say he was 1,000 rated at one point because that was the whole big deal, right? Uh, if anybody in the chat can tell me what um, Brody's rating is, got a brand new animus for you. Ten twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Give me that animus. You can't tell the chat. <laughs> we'll see if somebody writes it in. They'll get it. <laughs> Let's see how much you guys are paying attention. Yeah. First one types it. Yeah, we're giving out this today. So you know, first time back. Gotta give get out some free stuff. stuff. Well, what do we got here? But I was someone first started about. Pull us up. Unpopular opinion, but I was, uh, but I had a conversation with someone when they first started about the way Hannah looked at Brody when they were making videos. Probably not rated, related, but odd. Ooh, hot take. I mean, that is a hot take. Could be the whole my girl likes you kind of thing, so let's separate. Uh, it's it's all speculation at this point. It's just funny to watch. 
it's just, it's having Brody's baby. Well, I think that, I mean, I think <laughs> it brings up like a lot of conversation too. Like you take the names away from it and you look at the pro tour, there has been a lot of talk around gatekeeping, you know, people being in, like blocked out of pro tour. Like I remember one of our local pros got connected with like the, maybe the wrong group and the PDGA split. So it's a little bit older, like 10 years ago, it split into the PGA and it split into the national tour. His group was like part of the national tour. The other one is PDGA. Now this individual is no longer touring, you know? And so you look at like, what does this like gatekeeping look like of like, okay, Brody Smith, for example, how has he been gatekeeped? How has he been supported versus like, cause everyone talks about like, Oh yeah, Paul helped him, coached him. Simon was helping him. Like everyone was helping him and that got him up there. But then there's also this other side of like how many people were preventing some of that. <laughs> Jabber to the TMC rough. <laughs> um, so for me, it becomes like this whole like conversation around <clears throat> what is gatekeeping looking like, right? Are we talking gatekeeping like uh, Nico's family? No, like being allowed. <laughs> Bring it so, back to Nico. Fight him. Being allowed to tour successfully. You know, being able to link up with a pro, for example, like you look at Cole and he linked up with Drew Gibson. Now he's kind of hanging out with Joel Freeman. That's being included in this tour to be successful. But whereas these other thousand rated players that are trying to break into that and aren't getting linked up with that, aren't getting the big sponsorships and having to kind of fund them for themselves and hope to have that breakthrough. Like you look at Ezra Aderhold before he got sponsored, he packed up his Prius put all of his beans in the back of it and <laughs> traveled beans. and pretty much had to do everything he could do to get sponsored by OTB to get sponsored by, you know, now Discraft. But it was like people forget, like it was a battle for Ezra to get sponsored and nobody really wanted to do that. And then he finally got like allowed in, but it's like, Oh yeah. Like, but how many other pros that like, haven't? So that's what I kind of mean by like gatekeeping, I guess. Beans. Well, cool. I guess I'm the only one with opinion. Fuck me, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Cody, for having a conversation with me. Welcome to you Jabbers in the Rough. Well, I'm you your host, Paige. I'm not going to no interrupt other word you. from anybody else. Are we talking? Well, well, I mean, um, we gave you your time to talk, Paige. Calm down. I gave. I held the silence multiple times for you. I'm a teacher, dude. I'm used to silence. So like, I, I can sit here and wait. I'll wait. I think it is kind of odd um, because, like, I've watched the the foundation videos with them in it and they were like best buds and it seemed like paul was taking them under his wing like here you know you just came from ultimate this will be like in some of the earlier videos is like this will be similar to an ultimate disc for you give it a try so i didn't know i honestly had no idea that there was some sort of beef i had no clue like when they when that came out the other day i was like i had no clue i i hadn't seen a bunch of videos but i know paul left foundation i heard it was so he could focus more on playing disc golf because he was kind of floundering in how he was playing, but maybe there's some underlying cause between. I, I mean, can also it, see like would... speculative, like it seemed like there was a different like uh, ideas and opinions of moving forward. Because after he left Foundation, he founded the Paul McBeth Foundation, and now he's in Mexico. Now he's like growing the sport in like impoverished countries that don't necessarily have access. Which I can also see, like, he's wanting to do more of that stuff and not necessarily just hustle discs like Brody. He where, doesn't need money. Yeah. Like, Brody's just, like, trying to sell all the plastic he can. So, but, yeah, it's 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 weird. I had no clue. I mean, I got no problem with Brody. I bag a Brody 
uh, zone, and I love it. But a he, Brody, a Brody, <laughs> he is a he does seem like like a bro. He acts like a Brody, like he's a typical frat guy to me. Uh, he was always cocky as an ultimate player. Like I remember him from Ultimate years ago. Uh, he was good, but probably still is good. And he's he's come a long way. To, he is talented. He's an athlete. I mean, he plays. He's on the pro tour. And how long has he been playing disc golf? Mm-hmm. Not that long. So he is definitely has talent. He definitely has skill. Um, he's got a big athletic build. Like I always look at people. I'm like, yeah, he looks like he could play sports. But and there's two sides of the story. Brody probably did some stupid stuff. Paul has probably did some stupid stuff. I don't know either one personally, but I wouldn't doubt that either one is probably doing stupid. And after seeing Paul's hot take on Nico, I'm thinking, Ugh. yeah, that's where like I try to remove like the personal, like my personal bias of it, and look at it kind of as abstractly as I can. Like I can look at Paul being critical of the PGA and still say it's a it's a bad take on the Nico, like using Nico, but it's a good take on being critical of the PGA because you should be. Um, Brody, like I can be critical of him as much as I want, but I'll try to share or like, you know, keep my disdain a little bit more bottled up because I can't really stand him. But Bro. yeah, Paige hates all. <laughs> that sounds about right. All right. Enough about them. Enough about them. Um, same time. No, Josh, you haven't said a goddamn thing about them. I, I, I'm, just like, I'm interested in hearing you guys' opinion. Yeah, Let me not share a goddamn yeah, voice. I, I, I'm interested in hearing your opinion. I didn't say I have. Well, I'm interested in hearing yours, Josh, the Cardi Winters. Well, it's all speculation at this point. It's all speculation. I mean, it could be one of a million things, but it's really funny as an outsider to watch it unfold because it just, reels, it just shows you about that, uh, you know, these pros are awesome at disc golf, but they're just human. They're going to have shit they're dealing with. They're going to have fights within themselves, especially when you tour a lot and you're on the same team and you hang out a lot. Things are going to happen that are going to tear people apart. Um, it sucks it happens, and it sucks it's happening for them because I think uh, Paul helped Brody become not just a pro player, but a decent pro player. Um, but Brody also put in the work. You know, There's those videos where you know he's he's live, just not stopping till he does. I forgot how many putts. I mean, stuff like that. That that's gonna that's gonna push you a little bit farther than most people if you continue to practice. Um, well, and actually, too, like, make sure you have players when you practice when no one's looking. Well, I was gonna say like for me, it's just one of those things like starting to see like you know behind the scenes, outside of the drama. We live in a world where like opinions are being forced to be a little bit more polarized where it's like either your team Brody or your team Paul. Um, and it forgets that, you know, they both can be right in a sense and they can be both right in different contexts and trying to like cipher through that. So you can have a like accurate opinion, which is our goal to kind of give you, but also like that whole thing, like, yes, I think a lot of people give credit to like Paul helping Brody out, but people neglect the hard work it puts in, like people put in, like one of the questions I hate to get asked like the most about people, it's like, well, how do I get distance the easiest and fastest? How do I get good like where you're at the quickest? And it's just like, well, you don't realize like I play every single day. I'm putting every single day. I'm trying new things every single day. I'm correcting my form. I'm listening to others. I'm having conversations. I'm like enveloped in this. And I still have a big like long ways to go. 
I keep telling people, like, I can't wait till I'm good. I don't think I'm good yet. Like, I'm 944, and I feel like good starts at, like, 975. Because uh, <laughs> that's figuring, like, you go out there and you kind of do what you want to do. Um, you just didn't do it as maybe, like, you envisioned it. Like, and so it's like, for me, it's just like, I'm not even good yet, but I'm trying to work my way to get good. Um, but people are always trying to take shortcuts and, you know, like for that Brody, cause you're right. Like he did put in a lot of work. You see him at night with the stupid lacrosse net putting in every single hole and nonstop. Um, and I think that just goes to show that this sport isn't easy. You can be given like a huge leg up, but if you're not willing to put in that work, it's not going to like reward you um, like you think it is which is fine because I think everybody plays differently. Me, I'm a competitive individual and I have to see how far something can go. I'm just like obsessive that way. Like if I'm going to do something, I'm going to push it as far as I can push it and then I'll get bored of it. Disc golf is a perfect game for that because I never get bored of it because you never can throw the same two rounds twice. And because you can't do that, it doesn't get stale. It doesn't get boring. It doesn't get repetitive. If you go out and shoot like negative six, negative six on the same course, I guarantee those negative sixes are going to be completely different. Um, so for me, like put in that hard work, but it's more or less like conversation with Brody and Paul of being like, oh yeah, like there might've been a fallout, give credit where credit's due on both sides of it. And, and there's a, this from the chat is a very good point. It's a very good point. Cause I mean, I butt heads with my best friends too. I'm sure it'll pass in my opinion. It's true. Probably going to pass. But I could, cause that's Matthew Wirt and Justin Peeper. And I got to talk about like, what heads are they really bumping? Are they touching tips? Because you know that oh definitely like could pass pass some STDs, but you know who really knows? Because that's just that Matthew Ware and Justin People relationship. <laughs> Name dropping. <laughs> We're hitting the top of the hour. We are hitting the top of the hour, so let's move on, guys. Um, with this, this is kind of like our podcast. You see it. We're gonna move on to our closing thoughts. I'm going to catch Cody off guard and let him start his closing thoughts, and then we'll move to Josh, and I'll close this out. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that and just like <laughs> – Yeah, so um, – sorry, I got an eight-year-old that just snuck out. Um, Nine-year – get out of here. Small children. Um, my closing thoughts, it's good to be back. It has been – it's been a nice summer, but it's good to be back. Um, I would say it's going to be the, the, the dad and teacher in me. Think about what you're doing and how you're acting on the course. We are all trying to grow, uh, disc golf, hopefully, uh, grow it, but, um, we're all trying to be a positive influence. Think like, I, I always think of like the European open. We are trying to grow disc golf into another disc country. Pause in Mexico. But if you go over there and act like an idiot and a bunch of kids see that, I hate that. So think about what you're doing in front of others. You know, this a lot of you play disc golf in like parks, like minor public parks. Don't smoke, don't drink, don't uh if it's not allowed, don't litter. And just think about how you're acting. Paul, he probably could have done the same thing or made the same point without acting like an idiot so he could have you know said hey i'm gonna i'm gonna play under protest whatever you gotta do but he has now made it worse by his actions so always think about what you're doing before you do it dad talk boom dad talk boom doesn't matter how good you are you're never untouchable it's true josh yeah i'm just i'm, I'm happy to be back we took a 
probably our longest break in between like these shows. Uh, what was it, like two months? I felt like yeah, two months. it was like two and a half. Yeah, it was a lot of carnivals in between. A lot, a lot of carnivals, carnivals. funnel cakes. Yeah. I'm in the woods for a while in the middle of the summer, and it's, so it's a, a carnival in the woods. Uh, never mind. It's not a carnival. Know. It's an orgy. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's just a carnival. I mean, carnival. I feel like I haven't seen your guys' faces in a while, which is cool. Um, Probably a good thing. Yeah, so sometimes. Um, you know, one thing I'll say is uh, if you get hurt and you feel like you're going to hurt yourself more playing disc golf, don't play disc golf. Take care of yourself. That's all I'm going to say tonight. All right. Well, for me, I probably same sentiment. Damn, did I miss you all. Damn, have I missed like just our podcast and our weekly kind of conversations. We got some big guests lined up for you. Um, some of our previous guests, if you didn't know, we had Gavin Rathbun on our podcast. We had Zach Wendell. We had Manny Trujillo. Manny. We had Up and Coming Dallas. <laughs> you know, we had a lot of people, and we're going to continue to bring you that. But with that, we try not to like to actively go and beg people to be on our podcast. So if you are interested in being on our podcast, please reach out to one of us three. You know us. And if you don't, go to your admin page and see an admin and ask how to get a hold of us we are definitely available for you know conversation so we want to have you guys on it doesn't matter if you have a lot to offer or a little bit to offer um sometimes it's just nice to bring a different viewpoint into the conversations because we get tired of cody's bad takes and josh is just falling josh asleep. had the bad take tonight don't look at me <laughs> that's how i had it flipped i have it flipped i'm sorry yeah, come on. no <laughs> but I know what you did with that, our goal is to be every Thursday at six o'clock, and we usually go Tell six, them to seven. six to six o'clock be Pacific time, Pacific Standard Time. Yes, the real time. And then this is when we're live. We're gonna have our podcast available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple, whatever, whatever your favorite streaming device for podcasts on Mondays following. So if you want to catch us live, that's usually when we do giveaways. That's usually when we have like question and answers and responses. So we look forward to hearing from you guys all. So with that, keep jamming it in the rough, everyone.